desperately wants to be in your house. Concrete Man. Welcome everyone to the Aqua Cave for Concrete Man in your house. The Great White North. Vince, as always, thank you. And to the audience, welcome back into the Aqua Cave. It's time to build a house with Concrete Man. The show where we maintain the living document that is every single time somebody in the WWF universe utters the ridiculous phrase, In your house! Without using it in the proper context. Uh, let's go ahead and get started with this bad boy. It is October 22nd in the year of our savior 1995 i guess our savior would be uh, big daddy cool diesel in this uh, particular scenario we're heading up north to winnipeg manitoba canada for the first canadian world wrestling federation pay-per-view since the ultimate challenge known only as wrestlemania 6 i suppose i should have said uh from the event known only as the ultimate challenge because that would have been a bit more dramatic we open up with a beautiful scene. We've got Alex from Saved by the Bell, the college years. And she's here to sing the Canadian National Anthem. Shades of WrestleMania six. However, Miss Tabor is no Robert Goulet. Who you may know from such films as The Naked Gun, Two and a Half, The Smell of Fear. She hits the big finish, hits the high note, and Pyro ignites and the crowd goes into a verbal frenzy. We then switch scenes to a very solemn event from the offices of the World Wrestling Federation president of an interim nature, Gorilla Monsoon. Gorilla lets us know that the Heartbreak Kid suffered a concussion that is so damaging he cannot compete tonight, and he will surrender the title to Gorilla Monsoon. And Gorilla will award that championship to Dean Douglas. Dean will be the Intercontinental Champion with all the rights and privileges... Wait, does anyone really know what the rights and privileges of the Intercontinental Champion are? I mean, seriously, is there some sort of amendment to the Constitution that enables Intercontinental Champions to have greater rights or perhaps less rights? What are these privileges? Is it like when you're in a country club? Hey, Wang, this place is restricted, so don't tell him you're Jewish. All right, here we are. I don't know, but I'd like to find out. Dean will then defend this new Intercontinental Championship by right or privilege against Razor Ramon. But it's clear that Gorilla is oh so very, very sad and doesn't want to do this, but is forced to. The opening video to In Your House, Great White North, begins. And there's some unique brand synergy here, folks. We'll get to it at the end. It starts with footage of fans arriving at the arena and buying tickets to get into this arena. We then see a food vendor with arms outstretched, and he offers us, and I quote, Hey, here's In Your Hoose the hot dog. Spaceballs the flamethrower! Spaceballs the hot dog! I mean, seriously, this guy offers us an In Your Hoose branded hot dog. I want to go to my local grocer and find hot dogs with In Your House logo on them, and then heat some up. On the grill. Yeah, having a cookout. Big fun here in my house. Seriously, what does it taste? Does it taste like a house? Does it taste like cold concrete? Can I put mustard on in your house the hot dog? Because I prefer mustard. We then go to a merchandise stand where folks are holding out 
worthless Canadian money to purchase World Wrestling Federation merchandise. I saw a shirt of Big Daddy Cool Diesel with his face on it, so I'm sure that was selling like hotcakes. But a random fan yells, Shawn Michaels! And it was very funny. Finally, in the causeway of the arena, a large gathering of hundreds of Manitobians all chanting, and again I quote, In your hoose! In your hoose! In your hoose! I love Canada so goddamn much. I really, really do. Now, I talked earlier about brand synergy. Folks, I don't mind telling you that In Your House, the Great White North, is sort of known as a as a turning point in the World Wrestling Federation. Now, it's nothing huge like the arrival of Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rocks, you know, anything like that. Mike Tyson's not showing up for this bad boy to cheer on Hotbreak. What this pay-per-view represents is a moment in time where Vince McMahon loses his shit and is basically ready to cancel the World Wrestling Federation's desire to run on diesel power and sort of, you know, he's taken it from both ends. His own product is a little behind, okay? And he's getting hammered from his competition because WCW has officially lost, excuse me, launched Monday Nitro. Now, if you'd like more information on that, visit our friends over at the North South Connection Podcast Network and hit up the Wrestling War Zone from JT and Chad. And I'll tell you what, guys, they start the Monday Night Wars one at a time. They cover Nitro and Raw you know, in head-to-head matchups, and they start back in September 95, and they're all the way up to, well, gosh, they're almost a Halloween Havoc 96 as of press time, so lots of good stuff to listen to there. But this pay-per-view is like the bottom of the barrel, allegedly, okay? And I think it's hilarious that this opening video package of fans arriving and getting into the arena is the exact same way, give or take a few sets of circumstances, that the WCW Great American Bash 1991 opens as well. Now, that's the pay-per-view where Ric Flair quit like two weeks before, and they didn't even have the uh, NWA slash WCW Big Gold Belt World Heavyweight Championship. They had to use like the Western Heritage Belt to give to Luger at the end. And that's known as a low point in WCW. I mean, it opens with that scaffold match with PN News which we will talk about someday on Starman here in the Aqua Cave. But I just, I couldn't believe that synergy. I could not believe it as it stood out to me. And I really wanted to get it out there into the zeitgeist. All right. Now, on a, on a more frightening note, the In Your House logo is back. And you'll notice that his victims now have jack-o'-lanterns outside their house. We're in a nice touch, I will admit, because we're just a few weeks away from Happy Happy Halloween Silver Shamrock. Now this fucking guy, that being the In Your House logo, he slowly hovers and then just runs headfirst into the front door and it bursts open. So we've got him on breaking and entering. He makes his way to the homeowner's favorite recliner and takes a seat to watch the World Wrestling Federation's unique brand of entertainment that's on the television screen. So we've got him for criminal trespassing and mischief as he's messing with my favorite chair. Then, in a horrifying use of black magic, which I'm sure is illegal, he becomes one with the TV and merges with the screen and Yokozuna, who's on the screen, and some wavy lines happen and he evaporates before our eyes. Welcome to the Winnipeg Arena! We thank you very much for the privilege of being invited in your house! Vince, JR, and the King are here to host. 
King mentions that he's cool with Shawn Michaels being stripped of the World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Championship. Jim Ross understands the gorilla had to make the ruling, but he still doesn't like it. We're going to begin the pay-per-view proper with a non-white athlete. So, of course, Vince McMahon on the call. We're going to have action and plenty of it here. Here comes Fatu. Let's get down. Get funky. You're talking about a man making a difference. You're looking at a man who is unquestionably done. Just that. So, you know, you got to get down and you got to get funky because it's not a white guy. Oh, Vince, Vince, Vince. We need to talk, buddy. Fatu emerges proudly wearing... A rainbow-colored jacket, which is fine. It's cool. But this isn't like a rainbow rainbow. This is like a mid-90s patchwork of nonsense. Like, this looks like a t-shirt that Jonathan Taylor Thomas would wear on Home Improvement and like a quadruple XL. Because, you know, big clothes is where it's at. He's also proudly wearing his BSK beanie. His Bones Gall Crew, or whatever the fuck it is. He looks like a complete moron. He's dancing around like he's a performer at a child's birthday party. His opponent is a snob from Greenwich, Connecticut, with his walking stick. It is indeed Hunter Hearst Helmsley. A tremendous crowd here, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, enjoying in your house from the great white north. Hey, Vince, you got it right. And you gave us our fan-created subtitle, because after all, these early in-your-houses are just known as in-your-house. They talk about how cold it is in Canada. So cold, JR had to put on his long underoos. Fatu makes a difference by attacking before the bell and hits a big back body drop. Triple H still has his riding jacket on. Furniture alert! Now, folks, if you're not familiar with Concrete Man, this is one of our patented furniture alerts where someone doesn't actually say, in your house, but they do mention house-related items. That jacket costs more than the house Fatu lives in! Oh, yes, well, right now, Fatu and Hunter Hearst Helmsley in your house. Oh, my goodness. So, we get a furniture alert followed directly by an in-your-house from Vince. Uh, Triple H attempts some head-based offense on on the Fatuster, but he doesn't realize that this will fill Fatu's special meter immediately. And, in fact, it does because Fatu has gained access to his Samoan dance powers. Triple H swings the meter back in his favor by making a difference in Fatu's ability to breathe as he runs him into the ropes and makes him do the Mick Foley, oh my god, my head is caught in the ropes and I'm being choked spot. Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Fatu opening things up here in your house. Some weird cadence from Vince on the In Your Houses these days. And these these matches in Triple H's career where he's known as Hunter Hearst Helmsley are fine, I guess. But they really point out how annoying Vince is on commentary, as for some reason he feels mandated to use the full name of every World Wrestling Federation superstar, probably so he can get the branding across. I mean, we make fun of this all the time. Sorry, Omega! Oh yeah, get down, get funky! But... He has to say, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, every time he does something. Hunter Hearst Helmsley with a clothesline. Hunter Hearst Helmsley picks him up. Big knee from Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Triple H then botches a pile driver as Fatu's head slips out. Probably a good thing uh, because it protects Fatu, the person, from injury. And you know what, folks? Honestly, if you want to look at the match narrative, this protects Triple H from having to face a man that makes a difference with a full special meter. Because, again, that head-based offense ain't going to get you nowhere. Fans, something amazing happens at this moment. Jerry the King Lawler shatters the multiverse 
when in one sentence he uses in your house and gets a furniture alert, then begins a house-based conversation that runs through commentary. Hey, McMahon, you ever been in your house? At Fatu's house? Uh, I don't believe I've ever been in Mr. Fatu's a cover account to a no. It's the only house I've ever been in where the cockroaches have names. Uh, I'm sorry, you've been in Fatu's house? <laughs> yes, it's revolting. Talk then turns to HBK, as it tends to do in 1995. Uh, JR gets an in your house in here. Uh, now, of course, JR uses the phrase properly, but he does also manage to mention the NFL in the same breath. So we'll call it Even Stevens. Uh, Shawn Michaels desperately wanted to compete here tonight at In Your House, uh, but he met with Dallas Cowboys chief neurologist Dr. Benny Scott down in Dallas. It just, uh, it just wasn't to be for Shawn on this night. It's a seesaw match at this point. Eventually, Fatu goes up top and misses a Benoit diving headbutt. Uh, it hurts him for some reason. I'm not sure why. He stands up. Kick, wham, pedigree. For the one, two, three. A nice call here by JR on the instant replay as he points out that the pedigree created face trauma for Fatu and not head trauma, and that's what led to the one, two, three. Post match shenanigans, the King interviews Triple H at ringside. Triple H breathing hard, but he does get in. Oh, oh, that man smelled ghastly. I love Triple H doing his Greenwich Blue Blood snob voice. It's quite lame, but quite humorous. Oh no, though. Sneaking up from behind, here comes a big hog farmer. Oh yeah! Now the heels catch wind of Henry O. Godwin, who indeed is behind them. Great moment as Triple H uses Jerry the King Lawler as a human shield. Now Lawler still has the stick and begins begging for his life. He says, and I quote, I love you, friend. I love you, baby. Doing his best Jimmy King impression. Triple H flees the scene and Hogg gives chase. Now, let's go to the back for Doc Hendricks, who's with Jim Cornette and the British Bulldog. Doc reminds us that it's the British Bulldog's very first attempt to go for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Now, he wants to point the Bulldog's attention to a monitor with a little bit of footage from two weeks ago on Monday Night Raw, where the British Bulldog actually got a pinfall victory over Big Daddy Cool. Uh, he might have had a little a bit of assistance uh, from the king himself, that being Mabel. But the British Bulldog chooses to ignore all that. Bulldog's just smiling and rocking back and forth as Cornette's cutting a promo. Now the moment does come for Davey to get on the stick. And Cornette prompts him by saying, and I quote, Come on Davey, give me that pump, give me that pump, give me that pump! Big Daiku, you thought you could hide in this 50 below hellhole Winnipeg. Well, the British Bulldog is here in your house, live, and a living color. And I beat you last week on Monday Night Raw. And tonight, in your house, I'm going to beat you again. Davey, boy, thank you for your service. You know, I never knew I needed to hear you say, in your house, with your crazy Leeds, England accent. And you gave me two of them. Thank you for making my day. Back to ringside, Vince. Folks, Jim Carrey, of course, global megastar in 1995, and he's so popular that I believe even Vince McMahon knows who he is. Vince, of course, notorious for being out of touch with the modern culture. You need some evidence to prove this, you say. 
All right. <clears throat> All right. But speaking of champions, here they come, ladies and gentlemen, the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions. Yes, indeed. Billy and Bart, the smoking guns, and they have been smoking as of late. And I don't think he's talking about the wacky tobacco. JR then calls out the British Bulldog for fucking up his promo because he says that last week uh, he beat Diesel, that being that's what Davey says, but it was actually two weeks ago, King. Uh, you know, you can't really blame the British Bulldog, though, because these long single night of tapings that get broadcast over like five weeks of real time, the, the talent shouldn't have to remember these things. You should just tell them when you give them their scripted interview for them to recite. That's pro wrestling, people. Now, Let's go talk to the challengers who are in the back. Oh my god, it's the click! That being Razor Ramon and the one, two, three kid. Vince is really excited. Hey, you've got matching outfits. Does that mean you're back on the same page? Razor's all like, hey, Mick Mang. <laughs> Which popped me. I love when he says that. It makes me laugh. And here they come, all right! Jim Ross is worried that Razor Ramon might be focused on winning the Intercontinental Championship later tonight, and thus the Tag Team Championship match right in front of him may not be his focus. Vince, however, has a degree in ring psychology and dives into the psyche of Razor Ramon. Well, I think it certainly is on his mind. What an opportunity. I mean, he could even make an impact in the World Wrestling Federation, although he certainly has many times, but tonight in your house... Live in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Razor could become the tag team champion as a co-holder and also the Intercontinental Champion. Now, I will give Vince a little bit of credit here, even though it's a huge run-on. When he says Razor could become the tag team champion, he catches himself and adds as a co-holder. Because I can't tell you how many times I've heard announcers say that he's the tag team champion of the world. It's like, well, no, he's one half of the tag team champions, etc., etc., etc. Razor and the Kid... Throw up the click sign. They're not suspended. They get pyrotechnics. We get a nice wide shot with the live graphic in the corner. And of course, what do you expect? Yes, indeed, we are live in your house. We are now underway. Now, for completion's sake here, I want to mention at the beginning of the contest, Jim Ross does indeed say, in your house, while promoting the superstar line. But he uses it properly by saying, like, uh, tonight, folks, uh, after each match here in your house, the winners and losers will be in the Superstar line. We then get a nice in-depth analysis of the hairstyles in play for the 1-2-3 Kid and Billy Gunn. King mocks the kid's hat hair, I guess you could call it, or bandana hair. And Vince notes that Billy's hair is freshly cut. All right, Billy, looking good. Looking sexy. Look at that ass. He doesn't say all that. It's a face-versus-face match here. But Razor and Ramon are so over, they're clearly the crowd's babyface favorite. It allows the guns to lean heel a little bit, very subtly, early in the match. Vince then brings up the facts that the Smoking Guns went to the Sam Houston State University on rodeo scholarships. And folks, I'm fed up of hearing about this. And I, I put it in my Google machine to try to discredit this nonsense once and for all. And indeed, holy shit, only in America... SHSU is indeed a real university. I thought it was, you know, along the lines of like the Sam Hilton Institute of Technology, which is where my grandpa told me I should apply to school one time. Uh, it wasn't until hours later that I realized, oh, that's just shit. Well done, grandpa. Well played. <laughs> um, but they do offer rodeo scholarships as well, and my mind is forever blown. Now we get a more fun wrinkle inserted in this match narrative as the 1-2-3 kid starts to play heel. 
Bart gets whipped into the ropes, and Kid's just like, fuck you, Bart! And pulls the top rope down, and Bart goes flying and takes an actual real sick, nasty bump. Uh, the Kid then becomes the legal man in the ring and, and heals it up a little bit more by cheap-shotting Billy when Bart's down and stuff like that. Um, out of nowhere, a few minutes later in the match, when there's a little bit of a slow spot, Vince just goes into business for himself, which I guess is okay. It is his business at the time. I uh, guess no telling what's going to happen here later on, ladies and gentlemen. Intercontinental title up for grabs. World Wrestling Federation Championship as well. A night of champions tonight in your house. Again, weird inflection, but Vince inventing the Night of Champions pay-per-view name right here live on the pay-per-view. Perhaps history should revise this and call it In Your House, Night of Champions. Probably not, though. I doubt anyone's really uh, waiting on, on pins and needles to get the approval from Wikipedia to alter the entry. Nice sequence as Razor Ramon gives the 123 Kid the SOS! Right on to Bart Gunn. And the crowd bites hard for the near fall. I mean, you would have thought it was like the main event of WrestleMania or something. And Yes, it's a bit of exaggeration, but they really thought that, you know, it was an innovative spot, not something you ever see. It could have been a finish. See, that that's kind of the some of the magic of old school wrestling is that if it's the first time you've ever seen a move, even if it's not a finish or something like that, it's kind of like, well, that could be enough. Like when Mero did the wild thing. Look, I'm off script here, but when Mero did the wild thing, number one, it should have finished that match at SummerSlam. It's silly, it didn't. But it's kind of like, I've never seen that before. It's fascinating. That's probably the finish. Now, Shooting Star Press, Kenny Omega does six of them in the Tokyo Dome. Which is fine. I got in against Kenny Omega. He likes Final Fantasy, so good for you. Uh, But it is a great example of how when the click works together... They're going to do cool shit. Because we got two of them in here, and of course, you know, they're going to do what they want. King says it looks like the smoking guns got tossed off of a Brahma bull. And I disagree. There's no way that the, these fucking smoking guns could ever get on the Brahma bull. Because the Brahma bull has promised me that the power in the DC universe is about to shift in the favor of Black Adam. I, can't, I swear, this Rock Black Adam movie better not suck. Another podcast. Cut to the back. Dean Douglas is watching on a TV screen. And he's talking to his TV screen like, Yes. Mm, Yes. There. Yes. And he's taking notes. It sounds like he's watching a porn. I mean, isn't that the only acceptable explanation for someone talking to their TV? Okay, porno or horror movie. Like, get out of there. Get out of there. No, he's behind you. Turn around. Turn around, you son of a bitch. Damn it, Patterson. I would have killed that fucking Jason Voorhees already. Can you imagine Vince watching a horror movie? Um, But speaking of the DC Universe earlier, i got to point this out. So, and this has to do with Dean Douglas watching stuff on the TV, I promise. One of the things that DC Comics likes to do is they've got a character named Rip Hunter who, like, travels through time. I'll spare you the rest of the details. But in his office, he always has a chalkboard with a bunch of shit, random shit written on it. And those are usually Easter eggs for big upcoming storyline events across the DC Universe. So Dean Douglas has his own chalkboard full of information regarding Reza Ramon. And uh, what does Dean's chalkboard say? It reads, definition, colon, space, defense, versus Razor. I got nothing. I mean, they couldn't... I mean, where are the Easter eggs here, guys? I mean, where's your sense of fun for your audience. You could have written a thousand different things. You could have written like, 
you could have sent a fucking intern in there with a like math book and and found the longest equation in the history of mankind and have them write it on the chalkboard. And and if some nerds watching it, like, hey, it's the it's the African anteater ritual. Like, you know, well, that's from Can't Buy Me Love, but you know. I don't know. I got, I got nothing for this. Well, I bet that Dean has a big smile on his face right now. Looking at Razor Ramon on his back here live in your house. So, if Dean's happy, if if Vince knows that in, when he's in your house, if Razor Ramon's on his back, makes Dean happy. Makes me surmise that Vince and Dean have watched a lot of porn together. Because he knows what he's into. Allegedly, of course. Mr. Ass and X-Pac get the hot tags and their houses of fire beating the shit out of each other. And now Billy is healing on the kidster as well. He rubs his boot across his face like he's a big old monster heel. Even though we know he's not. Bart comes in and hits the three amigos backbreakers on the one 2 3 kid. Showing a bit of that strength that would allow him to almost overcome Butterbean some four years in the future. Nice moment as Razor Ramon and Bark Gun take turns cheating to reverse the pinfall behind the referee's back. And it's at this point I noticed this match is actually really fun. I have no idea what kind of star rating you would give it. I, I'm not here for that, but it's 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 entertaining for certain here in your house. Oh god damn it, now they've got me doing it. Son of a bitch, I can't believe I said that. Razor gets the hot tag, and Vince calls out the one-man gang. You know, former WWF superstar, when he yells, He's a one-man gang in there! Razor hits the edge on Billy Gunn. The 1-2-3 kid desperately wants the tag. And Razor kind of looks at him. Looks back at Billy. Looks at the kid. I mean, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. He goes and tags the 1-2-3 kid. Now, it's been about 10 seconds. Alright, Triple H has already covered Booker T and, and gone to the back after WrestleMania 19. It's been so long. And the kid just walks in and pins Billy. One, two, no! Billy pulls the kid over into like a crucifix type pinning position and gets the one, two, three. Oh, it's so dumb. Ruining a decent... Oh, well. One, two, three kid post-match unleashes a karate-based assault onto the guns. But the crowd doesn't even boo. They're just quiet. I think much like myself, they realize that was a stupid, stupid ending. Um... Uh, Razor Ramon, though, decides to channel John Cena and plays Peacemaker for this scenario. Now, after things have calmed down, the boos come out. Again, a stupid finish to a fairly decent tag team championship match in your house. Oh, God damn it! Okay, focus. Doc Hendricks is in the back with a deal that will make you smile. For a while. He claims. I mean, that's literally what he says. Oh boy, folks. He is indeed standing next to a life-size cardboard cutout of Brett Hitman Clark. And then the camera pans out, and he's also next to one of the heartbreak kid. And folks, I have a lot of fun at the expense of Brett Hart here. But this is live, verbatim, what is spoken in the Great White North. <clears throat> Ladies, can you imagine having Shawn Michaels in your house 24 hours a day, 7 days a week? He takes a pause and goes over to Brett. And kids, Brett the Hitman Hart in your bedroom, watching you sleep. You wake up, and he's there, watching over you. 
my God. So, Shawn Michaels is the desire of all women who want to mount this fucking cardboard cutout of HBK 24-7, just coming fiercely. And, and that's okay if you're into that. But the World Wrestling Federation hypothesizes <laughs> that it would be more appropriate, instead of ladies being into Brett, than the kidsters having Brett watch them sleep. I just can't fucking even. They, if Shawn Michaels would have walked up after this segment ended and handed Doc Hendricks like a $100 bill, I would not have been surprised at all, and it would have made the segment make sense. If you'd like to purchase either one of these bad boys, they're only $25, and you also get another free blank videotape. Uh, for more information on these blank videotapes, see our last episode of Concrete Man, which covered the triple header. Doc, still talking to the Brett cutout, says, Hey, Brett, you got a comment about the WWF title match with Big Daddy Cool Diesel? Brett says nothing. Oh, I guess he's feeling a little stiff. Back to you guys. As we fade back into the ring, in a moment of absolute glory, the Brett the Hitman Hart standee starts to topple over for no reason. <laughs> Perhaps a taste of things to come for the Hitman. We're back out into the arena now, and oh yeah, here come the Rockers! Oh, no, it's it's just Marty Jannetty. Uh, Vince lets the King know that Brett the Hitman Hart will be with us for commentary tonight during the main event. Goldust about to make his debut. He's busy. Um, he calls Marty Mr. Rocker, which I kind of like, to be honest with you. And he is ready for his close-up. He hasn't even come out yet. Marty's still in the ring doing his tumbling teeny bopper thing. And Vince has already called Goldust Bizarre thrice. Now it's time for Goldust's debut. He does his entrance. We get three more bizarres uh, and one bizarre to describe the entrance. So if you're counting along at home, we've already got seven bizarres to describe Goldust. Now the Goldust theme at this point is driving me fucking bonkers because it's the earliest variant of the theme out there and it doesn't have the breakdown where it's like okay it doesn't have that part so all we get is Vince calls him the gold dust which I absolutely love and I want it to be a thing but alas it's probably not uh, the match proper starts. Uh, JR gets in one of his world-famous references to demons. And I don't think he's talking about the demons of San Francisco in the XFL. It's a reference to, well, Marge Nation making his return here to World Wrestling Federation. He had to battle his demons, Vince. This match has so much stalling and absolutely zero house references. Now look, I know that Goldust is making his debut here. And he's supposed to be bizarre and you know he's supposed to be slow and methodical and play mind games and stuff but he could do that for like a minute and then just have him kill marty with like the bulldog or some shit 
I don't understand it whatsoever because it makes him look weak here. I will say this. We do get a couple of film references at least. The King mentions Airplane. Uh, JR mentions Fistful of Dollars and Rocky as well. Now, Canada is not as liberal as I thought they were because they do not like the gold dust very much. The King makes an offhand reference that Bella Lugosi is in the front row. And Vince is all like, well, I believe he's uh, passed away. And then Vince is like, but I, I, I have been told there's a 100-year-old uh, woman, uh, or I should say a young lady, in attendance enjoying this unique blend of World Wrestling Federation action, and we hope to have an interview with her later. <laughs> that sounds like a really, really bad idea, but I still hope they do it. Uh, Goldust then wins with a face-first suplex, still working out the kinks. <laughs> kinks of the presentation. Vince says his gold dust is successful in Manitoba. Kind of a shitty debut and a waste of the concrete man's time. We then get some more superstar line action. Uh, the one, two, three kid is on one side, the smoking guns on the other. Razor Ramon is obviously busy preparing. And oh yeah, here we go. The mega portions explode. King Mabel versus Yokozuna. Now, I have previously talked about this match in great detail over on the North-South Connection Podcast Network in a very special episode of the Multiverse of Fabulousness, episode 13, Enter the Aqua Cave. Uh, when I was forced, out of love, to review this match for Starman because Dave Meltzer ranked it negative 2, and I did indeed find it guilty of the negative 2 star ranking. So, in lieu of my viewership or my listenership going crazy, I'm going to uh, say if you want to know about the match specifics, head over to the North South Connection Podcast Network and listen to that episode. And when it comes to this match, I am only going to talk about in your house or any furniture references that pop up. I'm watching the match. This is me watching it. This is me watching it. Wondering if anything's going to happen. All right, I will say this. At one point, Mabel dances after a minor uh, move, and Vince says, All right, get funky. It ends in a double countout. Vince McMahon, on commentary, straight up calls it a less-than-stellar matchup. And that's it. I got nothing for you guys. I'm really sorry. But do listen to that. It's a lot of fun. We get a trailer for the Survivor Series, which hypes the return of The Undertaker and tells us that Bret Hart will either face Big Daddy Cool Diesel who he's fought before, or the British Bulldog, who he has fought before. Vince then promotes that the most fan-friendly interim president of all time is indeed Gorilla Monsoon when... Wait a minute. Gorilla Monsoon is only the second World Wrestling Federation president that I'm aware of. He's the only interim World Wrestling Federation president that I'm aware of. But he's also the most fan-friendly interim president of all time. I guess that's a true statement then. All right, Vince, never mind. He then puts JR on the spot and tells him to explain the wild card match. <laughs> Literally, he's like, Jim Ross, why don't you tell us about the wild card match? Like, hey, Jim Ross, sell me this uh, can of tuna. Sell me this pen, goddammit. Uh, earn your spot. And JR's like, uh, well, uh, friends and foes, fan favorites and rule breakers on the same team. You're going to see some interesting pairings here, and we'll know more about that tomorrow night on Raw. Vince with the response, all right, good enough. And standing by right now, ladies and gentlemen, so we understand, we have Doc Hendricks. Doc, are you there? The bell rings loudly. 
Well, I guess Doc is not there. Oh, yeah, yes, he is. He's up there in the ring. Take it away, Doc! And fucking hell, Vince, if anyone else had done this, not only would have you berated them over headset for all to hear, you would have murdered them when they came to the back. This is the public forfeiture of the World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Championship. Gorilla, Monsoon that is, is in the ring with Doc, and here comes Dean Douglas. Dean is doing a good enough job of being a shit heel like, Ah, I won the gold. Now, Shawn Michaels! Even though Sean is wearing this lovely Pele Pele coat, leather jacket, whatever thing, and he has like a 7 o'clock shadow indicating his life is in peril because he rocks that fake, well not fake, the almost beard whenever he's having a tough spot and he's got a forfeit gold. Vince, in spite of all this, still does the most athletic, charismatic, flamboyant, all that nonsense. Uh, Sean's in the ring now. Vince, with a unique comment, Shawn Michaels has made a remarkable cover, facially. (laughs) I'm not going to make any facial jokes. Shit, I think I just did. Uh, We get an early, no, 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 chant from Canada here, as Shawn extends the belt out towards Gorilla Monsoon, and Dean Douglas, of course, dives in and grabs it, which I do like, I do like. Dean then takes off his robe and takes an extra couple of uh, seconds here to correctly strap the Intercontinental Championship around his waist. Missed opportunity, in my opinion, to have Sean give him some chin music and really pop the crowd. And I'm being serious here, alright? I mean, you're about to murder Dean anyway. Why not? Just why not? Plus, it gives Dean a little bit of an excuse. But here comes Razor Ramon, ready to blast off into history, perhaps as a four-time World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Champion. The bell rings, and we are underway. And finally, Vince says, in your house. But damn it, he uses it properly. You'll recall Dean Douglas defeated Razor Ramon at our last in your house. Well, he is capable after all. Razor, at one point, gets Dean in an arm bar on the mat. Dean then presents his buttocks upward to Razor and yells, KISS IT! A little extreme communication from our professor. Later, Dean touches the referee briefly and Vince, with just a strange comment, Dean Douglas putting his hand on an official, which is very uncool. (laughs) Alright. This match is so fucking boring. At one point, Razor Ramon knocks Dean Douglas over the top. And Vince says, oh And since I have nothing else to talk to you about, I will report to you that when he says, oh the closed captioning says, crowd cheering. Which is just a state, like, the closed captioning is so bad on these shows, it says indistinct all the time when I can clearly hear what is being said. So, hey, Vince, or Hunter, I'm here, man. I can help you guys out. Just hit me up on Twitter at the Johnny C, and uh, you can hire me. Shortly after that, Razor Ramon, while looking to the crowd for approval, does the Four Horsemen sign. Well, he's just indicating he could potentially be a four-time World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Champion. But then, folks, and I promise this is the truth, I'm not just making up stuff to talk about. He does a very, 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 very tiny crotch chop. Out of nowhere, Razor Ramon hits a heartbreakhead-style side suplex. Both combatants are on the ground. Razor Ramon puts an arm over Dean Douglas. Tim White looks at it, but doesn't count. Patrick Bateman mounts the turnbuckle and yells at Tim White, Don't just stare at it, eat it! 
Okay, that doesn't happen. But Tim White finally goes down for the count after Vince on commentary starts going, One, two, three, I got him! And then Tim White starts to count, so I'm confused. But Dean Douglas's leg goes outside the ring. Tim White counts three anyway. The crowd doesn't react even though the bell rings because the whole sequence is so ill-timed and put together. And uh, they do a little stall tactic where Tim White grabs the belt and he goes and talks to the ring announcer. The ring announcer, it's not the Fink, it's some other guy, on the call. And fans, let me tell you, this is one of the weirdest, strangest things I've ever encountered. And I've watched wrestling for a long time. And it's minor, but hear me out. The ring announcer goes, here is your winner. And Intercontinental Champion, Razor Ramon! Now, seriously, I understand they're trying to build suspense. There's nothing wrong with that. But he held back new to try to get even more suspense. Folks, sometimes you just got to go with what works. Because the crowd doesn't even pop when he says Intercontinental Champion Razor Ramon. Because they're waiting for new. Because the audience has been trained. Like, if Dean retains, the guy says, here's your winner. And still. And if Razor wins... He says, and new. I mean, look, it's fucking ring announcing presentation 101. I just don't get it. On commentary, they do at least acknowledge the leg thing, so maybe they had something planned. I don't know. We get some pyro as Razor has the belt. A little more hype for the superstar line. HBK's there, and again, he looks oh so very sad. So, folks, just a quick recap here. It's been three matches, a Heartbreak Kid appearance, Razor Ramon won the Intercontinental Championship, for Christ's sakes, in our last match. And no, in your houses! Now look, fucking serious moment here. I know this is a joke show. Like, that's the whole fucking point, alright? I don't do this shit to, like, review the matches. It's just to be stupid and have fun and give you something to listen to, you know, if it helps, to get through the day, alright? Maybe entertaining, I hope so. I certainly do. But we talked in the intro that this is the show that breaks the Vince's back. Like, he loses it during the show at the end, and he, like, tosses the headsets off and yells at Diesel and the Bulldog for having an awful main event, which is still to come. But seriously, and I want to say something here that I'm, I'm, I'm starting to believe. And I'm no scientist, all right? But you could tell. Vince is really starting to be less and less excited about the fucking show that his company is presenting as we go through this bad boy. His energy level is depleting. He's making silly mistakes, and I'm sure he's mad at himself for doing that. You know, the Bret Hart standee fell over during the sales pitch, which I know is funny. Like, there's been some bad finishes with that tag team match, and now with this Intercontinental title match, Yoko and Mabel putting on a stinker, which they did, all right? So, like, I don't know. Like, I'm starting to feel it. He can't muster the strength to pretend to be his character, which, of course, at this point is the -the over-the-top play-by-play guy, happy-go-lucky, you know, Bob Saget, dad-next-door Vince McMahon. You know, like Bob Saget from Full House. Like, that's, you know, like, like Vince is sort of, wow, how how is, no, Vince is like the Danny Tanner of WWF in this time period. Can't believe I've never heard that comparison before. You heard it here first on Concrete, man. That's what happens when I get serious. Every once in a while I can make a good point. But I, I'm loving this as a sociological, sociological experiment. And, hey, 
One of the reasons you listen to Concrete Man is you don't have to go back and watch these shows, but if you ever decide to watch Great White North, really pay attention to how he changes throughout the show. And that that's that. I won't go any further, but that's my theory. And I'm stick that's my Austin theory, damn it. And I'm sticking to it. So we're back in the arena, and Vince is all like, Well, the moment is upon us. And here comes Pink Tights Brett with his own pyrotechnics for an announcer. Lawler threatens to knock his teeth out so Brett will look like Helen Hart. I could see that comparison. The King, however, bails when Brett gets close. Brett chases and gets in like three punches on the King, then goes to the announce table. Vince, however, narks on the King, points towards the edges, and he's like, He's still here, Brett! I love you! Brett chases, but the King bails. Nope, King comes back. Brett chases him all the way to the house. And then the uh, you know, the king is finally gone. So it's just Brett, JR, and Vince, a fucking superstar announced team to call this one. Um, you know, there are going to be... Uh, it's a very tepid response, let me put it that way. I was going to say that it's going to be a weird one when Brett gets here, but I don't want to really build it up. It's awkward that Brett doesn't seem to have a big fan base here. I mean, it's in Canada. I don't know if they're just burned out from seeing some bad stuff. But it just thought I would point it out, since Brett is like Canadian savior, according to him. Brett puts on the cans, and Vince is giving him an awkward side hug, like, Ah, oh, boy! Thanks for getting that nasty king out of here. You doing okay? How's school been going for you? Ch- champ, how are things going? What's what's that look for, slugger? Tell, tell Grampy Vince what's going on here. Or Uncle Vince, I guess it would be. The bulldog is here. He's lost the gold jacket from last month, and he's found one with the actual Union Jack on it. Doc Hendricks is in the back and trying to sell a t-shirt to children by saying, Kids, if you want to be hip at school, sleep with Brett the Hitman Hart. No, wait, no, that's what he says. He says, Kids, if you want to be hip, you got to have this. HBK and Big Daddy Cool. It's two dudes with attitudes on the front. Check on the back. Specials. Straight painted writing. You have to go have this shirt. I mean, that's what he fucking says. I just I just write it down and read it back to you. And he offers another free tape that he calls WWF Classic Video. So, two dudes with attitude shirt, free blank tape. Back to ringside, Vince starts to hype up the imminent arrival of Big Daddy Cool. We immediately cut back to Doc, who sees Diesel by the house and interrupts his mantra. He's like, I've got Diesel! Diesel, 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 excuse me! What's your mindset? Well, Doc, I'm feeling awfully funky. Well, there you have it, Vince. Back to you. Well, I, I, I guess so. Those are all direct quotes. Seriously, I'm feeling fawfully funky. Big Daddy Cool. Indeed. Diesel makes his entrance. He walks through some smoke in the arena. And here comes Vince. Here he comes. The reigning World Wrestling Federation champion. All seven feet, 300 plus pounds. Strolling through the clouds. Yeah! Uh, the best is about to settle. I'm sorry, what? What was that? The best is about to settle. <laughs> I see. Brett says, you know, they're both really strong guys. T- dynamite drop in there, Brett. Those broadcasting schools really paid off. Big D summons his pyro. Vince says nothing about houses, homes, apartments, condos, nothing. 
And oh man, we get a shot of a diesel lookalike guy in the crowd. And I think I've seen that guy in, in like some sort of video montage because it looks really familiar. He doesn't look like Faith No More guy, but he looks straight diesel. Which is, I think, something that people used to say in the early 2000s, by the way, to describe a handsome bow or a badass appearance. So I'm going to try to bring that back in my everyday lexicon. JR mentions, out of nowhere and uh, unprompted, that hundreds of native Canadians, well, Indians, uh, you know, that's what he says, because apparently I'm too stupid to know what he meant. Uh, These native Canadians came thousands of miles to the show on charter buses to see Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Vince is all like, charter buses? Like he has no idea what JR is talking about. It's tremendous. I can almost feel him looking over his glasses as he says it. I'm sorry, excuse me, charter buses? I'm not familiar with this low-rent form of travel. But nonetheless, we have to get rolling because Diesel is feeling funky. A lockup. All right. Bret Hart on the call. Oh, strength and endurance is what they're testing for. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Hart. Bulldog eats the post thanks to the legs of Big Daddy Cool during an attempted ballsing by the Bulldog. One minute in, and I do hear a light, boring chant. Uh, Big Daddy Cool goes flying over the top from a dropkick, and he stumbles toward the announce table. Bret Hart immediately attacks Diesel, uh, but Diesel gives him the old pie face. However, during this pie face scenario, Diesel is not paying attention to his in-ring adversary, and the British Bulldog clips the leg like the old Miracle Violence connection would do. And JR's like, chop lock, chop lock, chop lock! Oh, he clipped him! He clipped him! We get a replay of this, and Vince calls out Brett for touching an active combatant in the World Wrestling Federation first. Bulldog then has a leg lace on the mat, Folks, get used to that visual in your head because it's pretty much the story of the match. Diesel then counters this leg lace into a body scissors and like sort of chin lock. Ladies and gentlemen, I present the best there is on the call. Yeah, well, you know, the only way to win this is to get Diesel down to your size and work him. And that's what Bulldog's doing right now as Bulldog is is in this body scissors and chin lock. He's the best there is, uh, not the most observant there is. Vince asks Brett whom he wants to face at Survivor Series. Brett says that, well, you know, the Bulldog beat me at the SummerSlam. And he, he does say the SummerSlam. I couldn't believe it. A live summer, the SummerSlam appearance in the wild. Bulldog is desperate to put on some sort of standing submission move. He can't. And holy shit, Diesel rolls outside for some separation, and James E. Cornette, on the outside, hits a jumping elbow. I have now indeed seen it all. I could not believe this man leaping into the air. Uh, Later in the match, (laughs) I don't understand this at all, but the match is just happening. And, you know, the commentators are talking, as they are, and Brett's kind of talking, but we get a, a text graphic on the screen that says, voice of Brett Hitman Hart. Like, the kind of thing you would get if somebody's calling in on Raw, like the 123Kid, like, oh, Vince, I can hear ya. And it just says, voice of 123Kid. It's like, do they assume people haven't been watching? They didn't see that segment where Brett came out and chased the king, haven't been paying attention to this match. I mean, granted, it's hard to pay attention to this match. But this just, this makes me feel like they think I'm an idiot. 
Now I am an idiot, so I want to isolate that text graphic that's on the screen, and I want to make a bunch of YouTube videos of like actual people calling 911 for stupid reasons, and, you know, because I don't want to make fun of anyone who's like in desperate need of help to avoid death. But maybe some guy's like, uh, yeah, 911, uh, I got my hand stuck on my willy. You know, or something like that. I just want to plaster voice of Brett Hitman Hart. Because, you know, he kind of deserves it, in my opinion. But that's just me. You don't have to think that way. British Bulldog works the leg some more. And more. And more. And more. And then, finally, after a ridiculous gap in time, the British Bulldog, the brother-in-law of Brett Hitman Hart, could become the World Wrestling Federation Champion here tonight live in your house! Now, I didn't sanction a championship match in my house, but apparently one may break out at any time. More leg-based submissions from the Bulldog. Uh, Brett thinks that the British Bulldog doesn't need a guy like Jim Cornette. Big Daddy Cool then awkwardly kicks British Bulldog over the top rope. Uh, JR, to break the submission, uh, JR calls it unorthodox, and it does indeed look like shit. Bulldog practically has to throw himself over. Big Daddy Cool then leaps up like it's West Side Story. Uh, and, and JR, excuse me, Vince is all like, Oh no! Without the leg power, Diesel has no power! Because after this West Side Story-esque leap, Diesel just collapses to the ground. So, if I'm understanding the hierarchy of power correctly... The World Wrestling Federation runs on diesel power. Diesel power runs on leg power. And leg power runs on... Eh, I don't know. We'll, we'll assume it may be cocaina is what's fueling the click these days. And I, I notice here that Bret Hart pronounces diesel like D-cell. Like, I need some D-cell batteries. And I suppose that they're both types of consumable energy in a way. So, I guess I'll allow it. Davy goes sharp with an attempted sharpshooter. And uh, much like the Shockmaster, he falls on his ass. We get a break. A power slam attempt by the Bulldog. It fails. Diesel hits his big boot. And I will give Nash credit. At least he falls to the ground immediately afterwards. He gets up to throw Cornette in. Bulldog finds a convoluted and contrived way to hang on to the ropes. And Diesel goes to do his running leg squash on the ropes thing. Really need to get that a, a, a name. But, and again, I'm giving Nash credit. He hobbles like a granny over towards hitting the bulldog. Um, it makes sense, but it is indeed a hilarious visual. The action falls to the outside. And the British bulldog slaps Brett the Hitman Hart. Most likely for earlier interfering in the match. Because the bulldog wants this to be a fair contest. Uh, Bulldog goes back into the ring, and Brett the Hitman Hart, who's an active commentator in this match, destroys the integrity of the World Wrestling Federation and beats on the British Bulldog, drawing a disqualification and a victory for the Bulldog. Diesel is rightfully pissed and attacks Brett the Hitman Hart. There's a huge pull-apart brawl. All the referees and guys in suit coats, uh, like the dude with the crazy hair, I think his name is Rene Goulet, they all come out. And try to stop this melee. The face locker room empties as well. But these two are getting the Survivor Series started early. The copyright logo hits. And Vince apologizes for this night's entertainment. And says, we apologize for leaving you. Due to satellite time. 
Thank you for joining us in your house. Now, this is uh, quite ballsy of Vince because, I mean, he said basically thanks for joining us in your house. So it's like if your friend shows up and then a party starts and he's like, I want to thank you for uh, joining me for this party in your house, Johnny C. I really appreciate you being here. It's like, dude, I live here. But that's the end of the pay-per-view broadcast. Unfortunately, you know, Vince doesn't throw the headsets uh, on camera. You know, there's no audio of it or anything of everything falling apart there at the end. So, unfortunately, we're just going to have to go with what is known uh, when it comes to that scenario. Now, of course, this would lead to things changing in the World Wrestling Federation. But before we can get to any of that, let's hit the AEIOUs and get out of here. The most amazing quote of the evening. Well, right now, Fatu and Hunter Hearst Helmsley in your house. Oh, my goodness. Now, that's amazing to me because I'm surprised that Hunter and Fatu put on the type of match that allowed Vince to get into the mindset to yell in your house. But it was the opener. He was probably a little excited how the night would change. The most embarrassing quote of the evening is, I've got it for you in your house, the hot dog. Because, I mean, you know they went to that vendor and was like, can you hand the camera this hot dog? Sure, what do you want me to say? And this guy's up for anything. He's a nice Canadian. And they say, uh, why don't you call it in your house the hot dog? <laughs> okay, he's just too nice. He should have said no, because now he's been immortalized with this award. The most insane of the evening, I bet the Dean has a big smile on his face right now, looking at Razor Ramon on his back here live in your house. Uh, because of the implications of what Vince is implying the Dean is excited for, the most outrageous. <laughs> well, let's you know what. Let's let's change this one for the evening and perhaps call it the most bizarre. Big Daddy Cool, you thought you could hide in this fifty below hellhole Winnipeg? Well, a British Bulldog is here in your house, live in a living collar. I beat you last week on Monday Night Raw. Hey, tonight in your house, I'm gonna beat you again. My British Bulldog. Could be known as the Scottish Bulldog in some circles, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do anything to alter the impression. Uh, I enjoy it too much. And as if there was any doubt, the most unbelievable quote of the evening: Doc Hendricks on the on the sales pitch. Ladies, can you imagine having Shawn Michaels in your house 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and kids, Brent the Hitman Hart, in your bedroom watching you sleep? You wake up and he's there watching over you. Oh, Brett, you crazy child molester, you. <laughs> but I think that's going to do it for us here on Concrete Man. The house is built as much as it can be here in the Great White North. And Vince, my condolences on the fate of your pay-per-view. Uh, remember to subscribe to the Aqua Cave so you get notified when new content drops. I'm Johnny C, and a winner is you. Senators, Congressmen, please heed the call. Don't stand in the doorway, don't block up the hall. 